Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Military families are not like your traditional family. They are strong, brave, resilient, and some of the most incredible people I know. My name is Gracie, a U.S. Army brat, and I am your host. I am honored to be able to give military family members like myself a place for them to share their stories and experiences in the military life. Stay tuned for this week's guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Grace of a Military Child in Life. Today, I'm super excited to have Barbara, who is an Army spouse and also so many other capacities serving as the director of programs for Special Operations Warrior Foundation and such an incredible person. So, Barbara, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. So tell me what it's like being an Army spouse for you, first off. It's it's a lot of change. A change becomes the norm. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because my husband retires next year. So we're coming to the end of that. But it's a lot of adapting, a lot of learning along the way, growing up together. It's an experience for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations on hitting retirement. I know that's like a it's a big thing. It's a big thing. But it's also, like you said, adaptability, like it's going to be a big change too. It will be because we did. We bought our forever home finally, found a place to settle down. So we're ready. Yeah. After so many years, you kind of start counting down to that retirement day. Oh, yes. Yeah. And your family is not fully active duty. You're in the AGR, Active Guard Reserve capacity. So that's also a different, you know, aspect of it. Yeah, it was very interesting. My husband and I met in high school and it was right after 9-11 happened. So a lot of him and his buddies joined different military branches and he joined the reserves. But about a year into that, he um, transitioned to Active Guard Reserve, which is essentially active duty. But sometimes you can be stationed at some odd places, which we were. Our first duty station was actually in this little town called Richmond, Indiana. So you're not really in that military community, but you're living that life. Now, as his career progressed, we, we were at larger installations. But that first couple of years was kind of, we were on our own, which was interesting. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing is being so far from that that community because the military community is really what makes it it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. And I so, agree. There's yeah. There's something to be said about having those people around you who are going through similar things, and you just build bonds and friendships for for lifetimes. I mean, yeah. we actually have friends coming to stay with us for a week that we were stationed up in Fort Belvoir with because they've become our best friends. And it is. It's just you. You built a bond of experiences that you you've all shared. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes it uh, possible to, you know, go through this lifestyle. And, you know, it's hard because people can get so secluded going into this lifestyle, you know, being an introvert is very hard in the military, um, because you don't have a stable friend group, you don't have Mm -hmm. your family around you. So you're literally just being picked up. And even like you said, like, even thrown into the most, you know, out there places that you wouldn't even think of and not by those people who you can call, you know, good friends and family. Like you literally have to go to a new place and find somebody to be your emergency contact with, like as soon as you get there, because you don't know people. It's such a true thing when you usually we PCS in the summer. So Mm -hmm. it's right before the kids start school. 
So then you go to name emergency contact for the school and you have no one. Yeah. It's like, you know, I have to call my husband and be like, who's, who's somebody in your unit that we can put as an emergency <laughs> contact? <laughs> there has to be someone out there. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when my dad got hurt, it was like, okay, we'd go to, um, we were in San Antonio and my parents, we were a reserve family, like strictly reserve. And so our orders always got cut a day short. And so they would not PCS our family. And Mm -hmm. so they told us our options were to either leave him there, he would rehab and we could go home. My mom was like, I'm not doing that. Like, he almost just died in your hands. Like, I am not um, leaving him, you know, again, so he can go through this alone. Um, There was that, or he could go and rehab at the VA in Cleveland, Ohio. My mom was like, not happening either when there's state-of-the-art care here. And so they would take a lot of trips. Well, nine-year-old me felt like it was a lot of trips, but it really was not. (laughs) But they would fly to D.C., And, you know, my sister and I were in school and you can't, you know, just take us out of school to go with them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was, we were living in the Fisher house. There was our neighbors and my mom was like, can you watch the girls for the week while we're gone? Like we've known you for two weeks, you're 21, Mm -hmm. but can you watch an eight and nine year old for a few, you know, days while, while we have to go and do this. So it was definitely, you form those bonds with someone and you put so much trust in them and then you just go on your own. It's so very true. My, my best friends are some of the other people who are serving or their spouses because there's nothing quite like that. And you can't, it's almost like a blind trust and people are going in and out and it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, it's something that if you try to tell someone who doesn't have any military connection that, you know, the stories and the things that we go through, they're going to think you're crazy. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like then, you know, going through this lifestyle, you know, you're still, you're young, you're, you know, high school and, you know, starting your life too as an adult. Yeah, it was very interesting. I think that my husband and I are blessed in a lot of ways that we got to grow up together and learn a lot of different things together. Um, Our first duty station was only about three hours away from where we both grew up. So it wasn't horrible if we really got that itch and we were feeling homesick, we'd go home. Um, But we, I still went to college. I went to community college out there and um, we actually had our first daughter very young. I was, I was 19. He was 21. So we grew up real quick, real fast, and we PCS when she was about a year and a half. So um, I, I was able to switch colleges still, and we were up in northern uh, Illinois, right near the Wisconsin state line, kind of in the middle of nowhere again. Yeah. Um, but I was able to finish my degree at DePaul. So one thing that I think I appreciate and I'm very glad that I've had a husband that was always very supportive and I was always very stubborn and determined to where if I set a goal, it was going to happen one way or another. So I was able to graduate with my undergrad and then still stationed in Chicago area. I finished my master's program and then I had our second child through my master's program. So it was just kind of like, yeah, it was a real quick whirlwind of a life for us at first. Um, And then 
ultimately I was able to get my career, which was at first what I went to college for was to become a licensed clinician, a licensed therapist. One thing I didn't realize being a military spouse is that that's very difficult to have a professional career, especially one where you hold a professional license because each new state you go to, you have to get a new license. And sometimes that board doesn't accept what the other board does. There was times where I had to take extra courses. Um, There was one state that just wouldn't license me at all. It wouldn't recognize my license. Um, But that was very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. But again, always found a way, always found a way to make it work where I was going. And, And I think the beauty of that is it gave me such a variety of different experiences because I would just take what I could get. Um, So I was, as a clinician, I was able to work with such a variety of populations from children to adults, to nonprofit, to personal practice. I worked for the army and the substance abuse clinic for a while. Um, Just such a wide variety of experiences, the homeless here in Tampa, which is um, eventually how I, where I got linked up with the organization I work with now with which is Special Operations Warrior Foundation. But that's all to say is the life of a military spouse, is it's almost like you're along for the ride, but it's your responsibility to make most of that ride and right. just learn with it and grow with it and do the best you can. Sometimes it'll be easy. Sometimes it'll be hard. Most of the time you'll be on your own, um, except for those, those military friends that you make along the way, which um, are friend, a lot of times friendships that'll last forever. Yeah. And I think it speaks a lot in your position to have gone and finished your undergrad and not only stopped there, but going and doing a master's program and then carrying a successful career in that determination. Because a lot of spouses will just get so frustrated that their license doesn't transfer or there's, you know, other roadblocks in the way. And it's very frustrating. And a lot of people will just stop and be like, okay, well, this might not be for me, but you kept finding a way. And I mean, it led you to where you are today and doing so many incredible things. And I also think, you know, it's incredible that you got to work with so many diverse populations. Yeah, I think it definitely gives me an outlook I wouldn't otherwise have. Um, I think it it allows me to see different point of views that maybe I, I wouldn't have had either. Empathy where maybe I wouldn't have had before. Um, and in honesty, I believe that we're all given a path yeah. and it's our job to try to find it. And I, I really do believe that all those experiences led me to where I'm supposed to be, which is what I'm doing now and, and how I'm raising my family now and, and just getting being able to meet people like you in the work that I do. I think I'm very blessed. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, so much in part to the military lifestyle of the uncertainty of, you know, the next day, the next hour, not knowing what's going to happen next, and then not knowing where you're going next and not, you know, in so many cases, not knowing if you're going to have a job in the next place, you know, and then not knowing how long you're going to be there. And so many employers also don't hire because they know you're a military family and you're going to be moving. And so there's so many pieces that go into it that, like you said, shape you and shape the way you're raising your family to this day. Yeah, I think that one one thing that I have learned, and I think I hope my children have learned as well. I have three kids. Is that family, and not just blood family, but family as in the family you make is 
that's that's the most important thing. That is what will keep you going. That is what will catch you when you're falling down. Um, there was one one year where I, I unfortunately lost my dad to cancer, but um, we were able, the kids and I were able to move back home and live with my mom and dad. It was a little tight, um, <laughs> but live with my mom and dad and, and take care of my mom, my dad for this last couple, his last year and a half of life. Yeah, and I think just. Just things like that, instilling the importance of relationships and family, whatever that might be, is so important. And like now, my mom lives with us. Um, my father-in-law lives with us. I think that it really love. And it sounds corny and cliche, but love <laughs> is what makes the world go round. It, it's yeah. what makes everything possible. Yeah. No. And you know, I talk to so many military families, and that's really the basis of everything you know those relationships mm-hmm. you're able to form with other people those bonds and connections and even if you just know someone for you know a day or two or you talk to them for an hour you feel like you've known them forever and mm-hmm. you put in the work to those relationships and they last a lifetime even if you are you know stationed all the way on the other side of the world like it doesn't matter as long as you've put in those work that work to make that relationship, you know, work and, um, you know, love really does make the world go around. No, I believe that. Yeah. And so tell us kind of what, you know, you're doing with SOWF and, you know, what an amazing organization it is. Yeah. So I started with SOWF right before COVID started. So that was an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I started as an advocate. And basically what that means is Special Operations Work Foundation provides support to the children of fallen special operations personnel. Um, and then we also, within the time frame that I've worked there at eligibility for all children of Medal of Honor recipients and all children of special operations personnel who lo- lose their spouse while they're actively serving. Um, so. The team I work on, the team I lead, which is um, the programs team, is a team that's reaching out to those families each and every day, providing support to them and um, ensuring that they have educational support from cradle to career. So we provide support all the way from preschool education, starting at two years old, and to college graduation, um, depending where that person is, and, and also helping them bridge that gap from college to career. So providing opportunities like mentorships, internships, those kind of things. Um, but I took over as director the beginning of 2022, and it's already a wonderful program. I mean, doing wonderful work, and I am so thankful to be part of it. But one of my main goals and kind of with what I told you, I believe, is that relationships are so important. And a focus of mine has been building stronger relationships with our families. They're already there, but so that our families know that it's not just a check we're writing. We're not just paying for tutoring or private school, but that we are genuinely invested and we care and we want them to succeed. Yes, we can support them educationally, but we want to know about what else is happening because there's other people out there too who are willing to help. And if we have that relationship We'll know those things and then we can get you to where you need to be as well. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, those relationships with, you know, other organizations that I've been a part of, and that's really what, what makes it worth it. And, you know, you've been through some terrible situations to get to 
you know, be part of these organizations that, you know, nobody wishes that you had been through. But, you know, those relationships that you have with so many people who are dedicated to furthering, you know, whether that be education or career or whatever it may be. But that's where people like you and organizations like SOWF are really making, you know, so many impacts in our lives that, you know, I hope you realize. Oh, I appreciate that. And and I think I feel that I do feel the love from our families and even some of the other organizations we partner with, because you're right, but there's a, there's so many wonderful organizations out there. And and we've built great relationships with a lot of them to where just like anything else, it takes community. It takes yeah. community to, to, to make things happen. You can't do everything on your own. Um, but I, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to where I still have my husband and my kids still have their dad, but, um, you're right. The people that we help, the individuals that we help have been through a great loss and, and it really, I think you don't have to experience to realize that. It's difficult and yeah. it's going to affect you for the rest of your life in one way or another. Grief isn't one of those things that just goes away. Yeah. So we definitely want to be there and we want to be there for the families and we want to honor their loved one and the loss that they experience the best we can, which for us is helping them with their education, helping them to be successful, whatever that means to that child, um, so that they can feel like they're making a difference and they're also honoring their their mother's or father's um, memory. Yeah, because I think for so many parents, it's wanting to see your child succeed. And that's, you know, not a parent myself, but, you know, that's a lot of what parents echo is just saying, I want to see my child succeed. I want to see, you know, my child do incredible things. And even though they're not here, that is by doing those things, by being successful, by going through school, having a career, um, that is, you know, exactly what you said, honoring that parent's legacy. Mm -hmm. And we have some amazing professional students. I mean, there's still more. We have over 500 graduates now, but just the work they're doing is so varied, so wonderful. And the beautiful thing about our foundation is that we have built those relationships to even now when they're graduates, we're still connected. We still run into each other. We still get to sometimes have a dinner together. Um, but it's really cool to see that they are doing things that they love and they are making a difference. Yeah. And that's my favorite part, like being connected with people still after, you know, you don't necessarily qualify for the programming. You've already used the benefits and, you know, having that connection post-graduation, having that connection post, you know, whatever the circumstances are, that's the best part because it really shows the dedication of the people who work for the organization and how much that, you know, your, your life, your parents' sacrifices really has an impact. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then maybe that relates to the military community too. You know, it, it should never go away. It should, it should last forever. Right. Cause even after retirement, like you still have the military community. That's, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always say that, you know, I just want to give back to the community that gave me, you know, my life that made me who I am. And even mm-hmm. though like I didn't experience much of my dad's service, you know, he joined right out of high school, had a seven year break in service after um, like 2003. So most of my childhood was 
you know, he was working a civilian job. He was at mm-hmm. home and then he rejoined and then uh, he rejoined in 2010. He reenlisted. And then in 2011, he got hurt. So it was like a very sporadic, you know, involvement in military life. Yeah. Um, but like, still, that is the community that gave me life. That's the community that made me who I am. And so, you know, giving back. And I think that's why so many organizations are ran by military families. I think you're right. I, I think my husband and I often talk about where we grew up from and where we came from, which wasn't a lot. Um, we grew up in a town where most people worked in factories and if it wasn't for him joining and the life that essentially he was able to support and and create through the through the army, I don't know if we'd be where we are now. I think yeah. it really has provided us with opportunities that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, no, I think that speaks highly of, you know, not only the military, but then your dedication to military life, to military service. Um, and even you as a spouse, you know, because it, It's not easy being a spouse, you know, like we said earlier with careers, but then also, you know, raising a family and sometimes on your own. Um, So it speaks to the life of every person in a military family of how dedicated they are to this country, even children at such a young age. Yeah. The one thing I would say, I don't, I think that it, it builds character in children that sometimes my children just amaze me how flexible and how resilient and how adaptable they are because they really are and well-behaved. I mean, in the military yeah. communities, you get the yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, thank you. I mean, that's just part of the the whole drill, at least in the communities that we were in. Right. Um, the, but the only thing I would say that was hard was not having family around. I think both my husband and I grew up and playing, playing with our cousins every day and having large family gatherings and, you know, these things and, our kids just never had that. They didn't have cousins to play with or aunts or uncles. But then again, they had, I mean, we have people we were stationed with who they call their aunt and uncle, yeah. who they call their cousin. So it's, it's, we miss out on it, but then I think you make up for it in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's really give and take because, you know, yeah. you give up your blood family, um, you know, and it's hard some days because you go back. 20 years from now, technology isn't, you know, huge. You're still struggling through trying to figure out how to stay connected with people back home. But even though you lose that in a sense, you gain such a family that, you know, for some people, like I didn't have extended family, like we didn't talk to them for the longest time. And Mm -hmm. so I, instead of having that, like I had, such incredible military family that you know it it's hard to even like you know put into words the meaning that that had and so it goes back to you know those connections those relationships you form within those people you know in your service members unit or in the next unit over or whatever and maybe your neighbors you know that's really what um community means in military life no, I agree. And I even think that's pro- probably what drew us to where we're settling at now is because there's still a big military community, even off base, a big yeah. retirement community. So you still have that element, which is nice. And 
And I think we're just going to slowly try convincing because a lot of our, our bodies are retiring at the same time. We're just going to like slowly try to convince them to come to us. <laughs> we're going to build yeah. our own community as well. Yeah. But yeah, because you miss it. Yeah. And that's yeah. that was the hardest thing for me when my dad retired. Like I was so mad at my parents for three years because we left you know, being a reserve family, you don't necessarily have the military community. Growing up in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, there's yeah. no military community there, um, which, you know, Cleveland is its own place and you get your own experiences there and it, the culture is incredible there. But then, you know, going to Texas for my dad's recovery, everyone knew, everyone understood there. And so then moving to a place where there's you know, there's still military here, but it's all like older, you know, retired, like served yeah. <laughs> way before my dad. Um, and so it's just harder to form those bonds and connections. Um, and so the being around people who didn't understand what I went through as a child was the hardest thing. So being, you know, still in that military community after retirement is so, so important. I think so. Yeah. So the last thing I want to ask you okay. is what advice would you give to another military spouse? Um, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I will say, I will say as it, so I'm an introvert as well, really, I am, <laughs> but I can make a close relationship, but sometimes it's hard. I think one of the things I will say is sometimes you have to put yourself out there. You have to, you know, go on Facebook and join the the installation um, groups, or you have to, you know, go to the park and just start talking to some random other spouse. You really have to put yourself out there because those relationships do make all the difference. And because sometimes you can feel isolated, you can feel like you got roadblocks, you can feel like things aren't moving as as, as you wish they would. That first year after PCSing, because usually we moved about every two to three years. But that first year is always the hardest because you're trying to figure out your place where you're at now. Um, but it can be easier if you if you just put yourself out there a little bit more. The other thing I will say is just if you have a goal, go for it. Um, be you know, I'm lucky enough to have a husband who's very supportive. But communicate communication is so important because relationships are hard when you're constantly moving or he's gone or you're raising the kids. And one thing that I'm dealing with now is reintegrating my husband because he's been stationed um, up at Fort Belfour while we've been here and he's getting ready to reintegrate. And that is hard, but throughout it all, even early on to now when we're in this different transition is communication is key and also having a passion of your own. I think yeah. it's very important. So you don't want to lose yourself because What's going to happen is my kids are, I mean, my youngest is a, my oldest is a senior in high school, but eventually they're going to have their own lives. And then eventually he's going to get out or she's going to get out or retire. And then you are left with, you know, yourself. Right. And so the one thing that's really safe, that's really helped me throughout the years is having something I'm passionate about. My passion was always helping other people in one way or another. And I think that really provided me a strength um, along the way to, to do what I do. And honestly led me to this place, this career, this life I'm at now where I feel beyond blessed to be doing, to be living, to be a part of what I am now. I guess the three things were, <laughs> don't be afraid to put yourself out there. 
make sure you're, you're communicating with your spouse. It's just so important for so many reasons. And the third one is have something you're passionate about and, and fight for it because that's, that's really going to give you a purpose as well. Yeah, no, because like you said, once, you know, retirement hits, everyone is typically in their forties when retirement hits, like you still have a career left in you. Um, And if you don't use those 20 or so years of being in the military, you're going to have to come out and, you know, I'm sure for a lot of people, it's hard to just sit around and do nothing all day, you know, especially at that, you know, middle age where you still have so much that you want to accomplish. So really everything you just said hit right on the head. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you. No, I mean, it's, it's such a cool thing to be a part of. And it was such, I feel like it, it's built my family in a way that I wouldn't change anything. There was definitely good and bad and hard and easy, but being a military spouse, being a military family, having the different experiences, I think has, has really given us skills and adaptability and character we wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And where can listeners connect with you and SOWF? Okay. The easiest place (laughs) is, yeah, by going to our website, which is specialops.org. But I will say I also have a LinkedIn. Um, People can feel free to reach me there. Um, And we also have our own social media. We have a Facebook, we have a LinkedIn, we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter. So you can always reach us there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Barbara, for being on the podcast and sharing what it's like being a military spouse, but then also SOWF as well. No, I appreciate you, Gracie. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for listening to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like, follow, and comment. Also, be sure to check out Instagram and Facebook at Grace of a Military Child and Life for more awesome content. For information on the podcast, Military Child Bigs and Littles, GoAMCL blog, or other resources, visit www.goamcl.org. You can also email me at Gracie, that's G-R-A-C-I-E at G-O-A-M-C-L dot org with any questions or comments. To be a guest on the podcast, you can schedule it at www.goamcl.org forward slash schedule a podcast, all one word, or contact me via social media or email. Stay tuned for the next episode where another incredible story is shared.